The following content contains adult subject matter, including sensitive material, and is intended for adult consumption only. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Therefore, discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining. You're listening to Breaking Down with Allie Colbert. Welcome back to the program. Recording from New York today. Been in New York a lot, which has been very fun and cold. And I love the comedy here and I love the people here. And I honestly, you guys, I do prefer to LA. I'm not going to lie anymore. Every, anytime I'm in New York, I'm like, this is, what am I doing walking around with these zombies in Los Angeles? I, someone, my friend was just telling me about how she had a dream the other night and she woke up sad because she wasn't pregnant. <laughs> she said that women love to talk about their ovaries hurting when they want babies. I, why is it that men never talk about how their balls tickle when they want kids? It's just women with ovaries aching, but men don't have their testicles sort of itching for babies in the same way. Isn't that interesting? Today on the show, I have one of my favorite comedians of all time, Bonnie McFarlane. I've loved Bonnie's stand-up for so long. She's an author. She has a documentary. She's so talented and so funny. Um, And sitting down with her and chatting about stand-up and marriage and motherhood uh, was was so fun for me. I hope you enjoy the show. You guys can uh, continue to email the show at breakingdown at spotify.com. I want to hear from you guys. We'll give you advice. We'll answer your questions. We'll listen to your stories uh, and follow the podcast on Spotify for video. And you can listen and subscribe anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. You do a lot of jokes about not really loving your daughter. Well, I will love her again. You will. <laughs> That's my latest show. No, she, you know, I, we get along so well. Yeah. She's amazing. She's uh-huh. the adult in our house for sure. One million percent. By, uh, has she fell into that role because you guys are kids or? She's just, uh, she's just like a normal person, responsible and whatever. And Rich and I are, you know, we're idiots. We're like always mooning each other and doing stupid stuff. Oh and- my, what does she think of you? I was saying to Bonnie, Bonnie McFarlane, like one of my favorite comedians of all time. Oh, my God. Watch you. Like when I started doing stand, like I'm a huge fan of yours. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're so fucking I think funny. no one knows who I am. Or no, like, people know who you are. Okay. You are so funny. Oh, my God. I love you. Um, I think you're so funny. So talented, like so smart. I mean, every time I see you, you kill. You're just so good. I'm so happy to have you here. Your daughter, I was just saying to Bonnie, I used to see her at the Stan Comedy Club in the back of the room with big headphones on. Yes. And you'd bring her to the clubs. And then I was hearing you say that when she was little, you'd take her on the road with you. Oh, yeah. Well, when, like, you know, having a kid is like such, it's so funny because now it's like, does anyone not do pregnant Stand up? Like, is every female comic right. just pregnant out there? Yeah, it seems like. Uh, you're probably pregnant <laughs> getting out there. Um, no, it's uh, it was kind of a strange thing to do it when I was pregnant. And um, and I was going to do a special pregnant. And then my manager said, don't, do, don't that. do it. That's crazy. Don't do it. And so I did it three weeks after Raina was born. Three weeks after? Yes. How were you ready to do that? Well, it was such a weird situation because I needed to to the do the special in order to have the insurance in order to have the baby. But then I, <laughs> but then she was late. So it was like tick, tick, tick. So then I had to have a, um, a C-section 
I had to get that bitch out, yeah. you know? Oh, my God. So I could go do my stand-up. <laughs> was your material about having just given birth, or were you... I mean, I had a... It's so weird. I think back, I don't... You know when you're pregnant, you get oxytocin, like, floating through your body, so you don't worry about anything. Everything's just fine. I was... Can I just have that all the time? So you're happy when you're pregnant, you're saying? You're happy. I mean, I don't my, think most women say that. I think in the first trimester, your hormones are changing, and you've got this, like thing in you that your body's like this isn't supposed to be in here and so you're sick all the time and then my doctor said on this date you'll stop being sick and literally on that date I stopped being sick so I went through second trimester was great I remember doing stand-up thinking like I hope I can remember this and do it like this yeah when I'm not pregnant you oh know? yeah was like that- no fear no I just part of it was that you don't worry that people are going to be mean to you because people generally aren't mean to pregnant. Right. Like one woman heckled me and was she was like, I don't even believe you're pregnant. (laughs) 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 That was like the meanest comment ever got. But it was just like it was like very freeing. I finally had something I felt relatable about. You know, I could just instead of doing like. Oh, you felt more accessible being pregnant. Yes. Very. Oh, very. That's. And did you always want to be a mom? No. No, How did that happen? It was an accident. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. No, I did. I wanted to be a mom, but not in the way where it was like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have frozen my eggs or anything. I would have. I was like, if this doesn't happen, that's fine, too. Oh, OK. I just was like, I just didn't want to, like, be remiss. Uh, you know, it was like a very passive sort of like, I guess I should do this. But it's such but a commitment. Then, the, yeah, I guess I just I was like. I had this attitude. I was like, crack addicts do it. It should be all right. It'll be fine. <laughs> it is true that like the worst people do it. People do. People have like 10 kids that don't care, that don't take care of them. I know. They, they're fine. They're not dead, so, you know, but were all you, of them. But. Right. <laughs> I just, my ex and I broke up over this, the kid thing. Oh, really? Yeah, because she she is 37 uh-huh. and she wanted them like immediately. Yeah. And I'm That's about the time you kind of like got to start making serious decisions. Yeah, we were run, the window was closing. And you're much younger. Yeah, I'm 30. Yeah. And I didn't want to have kids. And also like you have to be so intentional about it if you're gay. Right. Right. There's no like oopsies. Yeah. There, there's no like I wouldn't have, I would be upset if we did. I would be, you know, like there was none of that. Like we had to really commit. Right. That right. was almost worse. Like I almost think if I were straight, I would have like someone would have gotten pregnant. Right. But because I have to be so conscious about it, I just don't know if I'll ever have kids. I don't know. I mean, now that I have a kid, I mm-hmm. think it's like um it would be a weird life to me to not have it. I, I do. I do not have it. <laughs> to not have it. I don't. Uh, <laughs> she could still pick her gender if she wants. That's fine by me. Um, no, I. I didn't know if I would like having a baby. Like yeah. I thought I would like having a child. Right. You know. That's how I feel. But I, I loved having a baby. I just loved it. I didn't know I was going to love it that much. It's like having a dog. It, <laughs> but it's harder because you can't leave it in like a crate. You you can. You can't. People say you can't. You can. No. No, I think like people get so worked up and stressed about it. And then when I was getting like a prenatal massage one time and the woman goes, she goes, remember that like they're just on a different schedule than you when they're first born. So she goes, just don't stress about it. And, you know, they'll come around. And I don't know why that just was like, okay. And then so there was like a few sort of Sleepless nights in the beginning, but you're excited about it, so it's not that big of a deal. And then I swear, like the Lion King or something, I, I go like this for one day. I go, please be a 10 to 10 baby. And then she just started sleeping. Like I just would put her to bed at 10 p.m. She'd wake up at 10 a.m. It was like amazing. So she was an easy kid. Very. She Does she remain an easy kid? Yeah. She's yeah. almost an adult now. Well, she's been getting herself up and ready for school. I'm like, I'm not getting up at six. You're I like, s- I don't know her. <laughs> I, we don't know each other that well, right? Do I have to get up? No, for for most of her school career, she's been getting herself up and onto the school bus by herself. So she sets an alarm. Yes. Did she start? She does all. Her? She does almost all her own homework by herself. It's just like we just never kind of did it. She just. And she gets really, really good grades. I don't worry about her school at all. Is she closer with you or Rich? I mean, her and I spent a lot of time together because Rich was on the road a lot. Yeah. And I didn't go on the road really for a lot of it. 
Right. Okay. So you're bringing her as a baby. But then when I would go, I'd, I'd well, in the beginning, I just kept doing what I, I just kept doing stand up. I didn't know what else to do. But then I saw that two year mark looming where I'd have to buy her an extra plane ticket. You know what I mean? I was like, this might not be financially worth it. So so when you're going, though, and you're like on who's watching her when you're on stage, when you're headlining? It's so crazy. I would just like give her to the opening act. Or, oh lots of times, God. lots of times oh waitresses would be like, Kini, wouldn't you be like people would just come. People just come around. They're and just you're like, not thinking about that when you're on stage. No, I never, I never worried about it. She was so just really good. She never, she just like even on planes and stuff. She just didn't cry. She just wasn't that kind of baby. She was just like, wow, cool. I knew she'd be cool. I just knew she was going to be a cool baby, and she just was. She just was easy to take care of in that way. That's amazing. And then I'd say to the opening acts <laughs> that she had, they had to read her a book, and I'd say, but you have to do it in the like. Like if it's a moo, you have to like really moo and stuff. And I'd come back and they'd be like sweating, like moo, you know. They're trying to get work from you. <laughs> I don't know. They're just like scared of babies, I guess. Oh my God. And does she, how does your daughter now respond to your comedy and Rich's comedy? Is she like into it or? Well, she doesn't pay much attention to it, honestly. Not at all. Not really. Sometimes like her friends will show her a clip or something. Like her friends are way more into it. So sometimes I'll have a clip about her on my, you know, Instagram yeah. and they'll like show it to her or whatever. But she's not like my parents are hilarious. Mm, no, I mean, sometimes she'll like, you know, neg us. She'll be like, I thought you guys were supposed to be professional comedians oh, you know, okay. or stuff like that. But uh, And is she funny? She's very, very funny. Like just naturally just when she was really little, Rich and I would look at each other and be like, we know comedians who've been in this game for their whole lives that are not this funny. Like, yeah. she uh, just gets it. And, okay, so your husband, Rich yeah. Voss, hilarious mm-hmm. comedian. Yeah. Bonnie has a podcast with Rich. Yeah. My Wife Hates Me. My Wife Hates Me, yeah. It's like, I view you, like, as an honorary member of that boys club. Like, I guess. Do you feel that way? Like, Yeah, you- I feel lucky that I was, I came into stand-up at a time when the patriarchy was really, like... Rapey. Very, it was a very rapey crowd. No, it was like, you know, they still rule, but they were really ruling. Like, sometimes I'd go on stage when I first started and people put their head on the table. Like, so, the audience. Meaning? And they're not going to watch it. They're just like, put their head down, wait for me to be done. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, they just weren't going to sit through a woman. Oh, my God, that's awful. Doing stand-up. About two weeks ago, I did stand-up and the guy introduced me as eye candy. I hate that. I'm like, first of all, I'm old. Like all, none of it was for a blind benefit. It's like I can't. Like a blind they don't, benefit. They're gonna come up and feel my face. What? Like it, none of it. <laughs> wow, makes sense. she really is a cutie. <laughs> yeah, she's, this guy's not lying. <laughs> she's so okay. So when do you? I I want to go back and stand okay. up, but also your relationship. Like, when okay. did you? When did you start stand up? Let's start there. Like ninety four, maybe. Okay, and what is what brings you to start doing comedy? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. um, for as long as I can remember, and then I got a job working as a hostess at a comedy club, and I tried to write comedy for these guys, which I know I was writing some pretty good jokes for them at the time. Is this in Canada? Yeah. Okay. In Vancouver, the Punchline, and uh, they were like, "You got to just like, what are you crazy? You got to just do it." But I never really wanted to do it. I was always kind of like too shy or scared or. Yeah. Self-conscious to do it. And then um, then I just did it. And then I right away just won a contest. And then I won like Funniest Comic in Canada. Like, boom, boom, boom. Immediately. Immediately. That's very rare. Yeah. It was like, and I was just doing this thing where I was pretending to be a comic. Like to get on stage, I would just be like, I'm a famous comedian. Let like me get telling there. yourself. Yes. yes. That's a good little hack. Yeah. It was like kind of like sometimes I go, do it now. Like. Why can't you do this now? <laughs> right. Because I'll get standing ovations and stuff sometimes just by pretending to be a comedian. <laughs> now that I'm really a comedian, I don't get them at all, ever. Was your material like your material now? It was a little more like, you know, ma- men versus women and stuff, I guess. I think it was probably more like it is now than it was in the middle. Do you know what I mean? Like I came all the way back around to what I actually am supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think that's 
that seems accurate because everyone wants to get their hand in the pot and be like, well, this is how you should do it. Yes. People told me anytime I went on the road with a comedian, that, that's, they spent the whole time telling me how to do stand up. Yeah. I used to feel like I would watch people kill before I like really because I, I would do my thing and then I became insecure about my thing. And then I would watch people kill and I would get on stage and I want, would want to like emulate them. Mm-hmm. I'd like try and like do like a Todd Berry voice or something. Right, right. And I was right. like, what am I doing? Well, that's what I did for, especially when I first moved to New York. I would be like, oh, I got to be more like that. Oh, I got to be more like that. Like yeah. anyone who went on and did well, I'd be like, well, I got to be more like that. I, I've literally felt that way about you. Like I've been uh. like, you got to channel Bonnie. And then I'm like, you're not Bonnie. Stop. <laughs> I know. Stop doing this thing. It's like you're not going to be you're the best when you're just yourself. Being completely yourself on stage is the key to being successful yes. at being a stand-up. But that's also the key to being successful at life. Right. It's I like you're with- supposed to just get rid of all this bullshit that you're carrying around, all this baggage that everybody else put on you, and just completely be yourself. And yeah. that's what being a good stand-up is. That's true. That's really deep. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I remember I did the comic strip lottery like audition like a yeah. decade ago. And I was there with another guy who you probably know who says he's straight on stage, but everyone thinks he's gay. Oh, yes. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and he mm. auditioned. I heard he's. I heard he came out as bi. I heard he came out as bi, too. And Patrice was a judge. Uh-huh. And Patrice went, yeah, I'm not passing you because you don't realize that you're gay. Right. Right. So just so you know, you're gay. And until you accept that you're gay, no one's going to buy into this. And... Yeah, that obviously when I retell that or when my friends and I laugh about that, but I think it's true. It's like the audience ha- can't buy into you when like you're hiding from yourself. Right. It's like going on stage with a club foot and not addressing it. Right. Right. You well, know. I, what if I know someone with a club foot? You don't know who it is. I swore <laughs> myself to secrecy. <laughs> I just it, it is. Like, how do you become more yourself on stage then? Just time. Well, there's this thought experiment. I think it's Eckhart Tolle, maybe. I don't know. But where you go, who would I be if I didn't have the upbringing that I had? Like, if you didn't have your parents, if you didn't grow up in the city that you grew up in, if you didn't have the friends that you had, like, who would you be? Like, what parts of yourself would still be the same? That's a good question. Well, can you answer that question? No, but I think about it a lot because I go, is that me? Is that... Right. How much of this is stuff that I mean, so much of it is circumstance that's been cobbled together. Right. Right. In that sense, I'm like, there's a lot of this is predetermined. I was born in this area. I was going right. to probably go to one You're of these definitely schools. definitely living in a bubble of some kind. Right. I mean, and you had a pretty interesting upbringing, right? Yes. I heard about your cows. Yes. On but- Natalie Cuomo's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, well, can you share what was happening? So I grew up in the 1800s. Yeah. I grew up in um, can- northern Canada, and for a large part of my life, we didn't have running water. We lived off the land. You know, we were like true poor farmers. <laughs> true poor people. <laughs> like, not like I say we were white trash, but we weren't really white trash either. Like, yeah. like my my parents were trying to get us out of poverty, but they started in deep, deep poverty. But they also have like this real love of like gardening and farming and the land and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> but uh so that's how I grew up but I also know television yeah so like I do feel like that was a gift in a way it, you know because I did develop a certain way of thinking that like I can't get rid of it is how I do that's how I do my art like what do you what do you mean like industrious it's like when I thought of things or stories or, you know, ideas, they really were coming from me or my surroundings. Oh, oh, it wasn't oh. coming from like other people or television or. Right. There's an originality there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you guys, you and your siblings were gifted cows on your birthdays. That- yes. On our 10th birthday, we all got a cow. And you then became... uh, My sisters resold their cows back to my dad right away, immediately. Got the money, put it in their bank account. Oh, that was an option. That was an option. Yes. You could just take the... I think it was 600 or between four and 600, which was a lot of money to us. And you put in your bank account and then that would be for college or your future or whatever. But, you know, like my sister bought like an expensive pair of sunglasses or something. But anyway. You didn't sell your cow. I didn't sell my cow back because I was still trying to really get the love of my father. 
So <laughs> I milk that fucking cow every morning and every night. Love me, Dad. Yeah, me, love me now. <laughs> and uh, then I started, I had to get rid of the milk and cream. It was like too much. Right, you were stockpiling. So I started an ice cream business. And that went well. That went very well. How long were you doing that? A couple summers. A couple summers. Yeah. And you go to college in Canada? Um, I, yes, I went to Nate Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. Okay. And at, at, at that point, what do you think you're going to do with your life? I thought I was going to get, I remember like one of the first times that, um, we were watching TV and, uh, I like the commercial came on or whatever. And I said, uh, who, how, like how much you have to pay to be on TV? <laughs> and my mom was like, no, they pay you. And I was like, Done. Why is anyone doing anything else? Why are we doing this when that's available as a job? I had the same thought growing up. I, I didn't understand how anyone would want to pursue anything other than being in entertainment. It's cr- it's crazy. Just I was like slaving every day on this goddamn fucking farm. <laughs> Just like, well, let, my sisters like, well, that's what we're going to do too. It's like, why? How many? Wait, how many sisters? I have three older sisters. Three. Is that, it's all girls? All girls. Oh, me too. Three girls. Yeah. Oh, so you're the youngest of four girls. Yeah. That, is that, were you bullied the fuck by them? No. No, it's probably more the bully. You were the, the youngest bully. I do remember going through life thinking like, mm, I'm smarter than everyone. You probably were. <laughs> no, as I get older, I realize I'm super dumb. I'm one of those people that thought they were smart for a long time. Oh. And I came to the conclusion, I was like, I did that thing where I, you know, where you, pull up to the gas station and your your um, gas tank's on the other side. Yeah. So then you just pull around like that. Yeah. And it's still on the other side. Then you pull around like that. You just keep doing that. Keep doing it. I did it about like 37 times and I was like, okay, you're you're dumb. But <laughs> You're not a smart person. <laughs> you're not a smart person. I, I was like, I'm going to just accept it now. Right. You just keep circling around. <laughs> were you always funny growing up? Did people yeah. say you were funny? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I was always really creative. I always wrote stories. I always like wrote like, you know, satirical poems. I mean, it's just crazy weird stuff. You should post some of those. I guess I should. The satirical, you have them still? Yeah. My mom's kept a lot of the stuff. Oh my God. Sometimes I go, do you ever read stuff? This is such a weird thing to say, but like, do you ever read stuff that you did when you're younger? You're like, oh my God, I'm amazing. Yeah, I, I can't believe how great I was. <laughs> Is that a stand-up thing, though, that, like, I mean, we're so self-indulgent? Well, because you go through these, like, every second minute you're also saying you're the worst person alive. So yeah. you're like, I'm the greatest, I'm the worst, <laughs> I'm the greatest, I'm the worst. It just keeps going. I know. <laughs> All day long. It's, like, very hard to middle out. Like, I just always want to just find a middle out. Yes, right. But I'm just oscillating between just, like, fucking look at me. I know. And then I just can't get out of bed. I know. It's I know I do the same thing. I'll go to bed at night being like, I'm gonna just take this life. I'm gonna just grab it by the horns, man. I'm gonna do it. And then the next day, I'm like, eh, I can't. Yeah, I feel like I'm tired. When you're hitting on stage, you do feel kind of altered. Like I feel like oh. I'm high. Yes, because I think. Okay, this is another thing I think. I think you're in a flow of like higher consciousness when you're on stage and you're in that. You, it's you are. Like, you're it's in a flow like state. You're in the you're in the zone or whatever. It's like you know. Yes. Um. You need to write other like artists a spiritual. Get it. Comedy I know book. it's weird because I kind I of circling around it so much that I literally spend all my time thinking about how to get better, and it's like now it's taking me into this weird. No, I like this. Like none of your thoughts are your own. It's coming from above. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is like <laughs> <laughs> it's like. When you're killing it on stage, you're like profoundly present. Yes. It's like you're it's like you're, there's like so many layers of it going on, too, because you can think of the next joke while you're talking to a person. Right. While like you're watching the room. Yes. You and like, you're watching yourself. You're watching your sometimes. I, and I've seen you do this, too, where you're having this great interaction with someone in the audience. But you're not thinking while you're doing that. You're actually just kind of over here watching your own self and you're getting a kick out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, are you are you ever thinking on stage? Oh, this is going to be my clip. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I Sometimes I'll be like, adjust my jacket before I do the punchline because I'll be like, oh, this I look fat unless I do this. <laughs> 
and then I'll do the push button. <laughs> oh my God, that level of self-awareness is crippling. I know. I'm like, here's the moment. <laughs> I know. And let me here it is. Let me, you see me tucking in before I get to the, all right, here we go. Or like you hear their job and you're like, all mm-hmm. right. Well, oh, this I know. Is... Sometimes I go. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much thank for you, that. Thank you, universe. How perfect is that? But I do think like, because sometimes when I'm in the zone, and then something will tell me to say something to this guy and yeah. he'll say the thing that we were just talking about or it'll fit so perfectly. Uh, in, what is that? I don't know, but I That's fucking God. love it. Yeah. And then sometimes you have those shows and then people go, I was laughing. You're like, I was like filled with God energy up there. What are you talking about? You were laughing. Everyone was laughing. <laughs> I, I, that is so, yeah, I hate that. When the audience becomes like, and the audience decides to comment on the room as if they're not participating in the experience. Yes. Like, who the fuck are you? Like if the audience goes, um, oh, that was a tough room. It's like, you're the room. Yeah, you you're are. You're the tough audience. Yeah, you are not disconnected from them. <laughs> yes. Uh, just laugh. I can't stand when people come and they, they have fun, but they don't laugh. I know that's so obvious but like just don't be there i cannot believe and this is new this is not how it used to be i swear to you when you looked at someone in the front row they would smile at you they would acknowledge you were a person lots of times i go on stage now and they're just like this and you're like what do you like i just made eye contact with you and you're still just like I'm not a fucking it's robot like up here. I'm a human. Yeah, it's like I am human. <laughs> I'm God. I'm God. Not only. Yeah. It's like they're watching TV. Oh, maybe they're into it. Like or that. they're just so used to their screens that they're like disconnected from watching something that's not like one-on-one engaging with them. Right. They're it like, makes me mad. Yeah, it's it's enraging. I mean, I remember doing stand-up at Greenwich Village Comedy Club, and there was a couple in the front row playing um, Uno. It, no one stopped it? No, there's no security there. Oh, my God. I think even, like, to get food at that club, you, like, order with the waiter, and the waiter, like, goes across the street to a pizza shop. Oh, my shop. God. I think that's so funny about New York. that, <laughs> And then, like, gets the food and, like, brings it back to the club. Right. It's insane. I mean, what was the, fir- what was the first club you actually performed at in New York? I think it was, Bo- oh, maybe it was, um, I think it was the comic strip was the first club I actually The comic went. strip. Yeah. And when do you get to the cellar? Then I did, then I was at Boston Comedy Club for a while, right. which was really tough some nights, man. That was like. I heard that was like quite the room. Yeah. Cause you could really kill, but you could, they would, you know, I don't know. I, sometimes if you, if you went on, I remember following Judy Gold one time. I was like, I can't, I it, can't go on. I mean, people were like stomping. And right. Like, yeah. Like, Hello. <laughs> I'm from Canada. I feel that way following Jessica Kirsten. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to, like, figure out how to... Sometimes I feel like when I follow her, um, I'm not even doing stand-up. Like, my jokes don't seem like jokes anymore. It just seems like... Self-doubt seeps into everything. (laughs) I'm just... There's no God. Yeah. There's no God particle in Like, I don't know why I got married. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I totally... Yeah, because it's so loud. The room shakes. Yeah. She has so... Her energy's so explosive. It's like a drug to people. I see people like literally like, <gasps> like can't catch their breath. Yes. I mean, and like, then you'll go, I'll go on stage and oh. I'm like, I feel like I have to comment. I'm like, just so you know, I'm about to like really fuck with this energy in the room. Like, yeah. I'm going to fuck it up. Right. I've, I don't know how to just do you, when you experience that, do you like someone who's completely different than you? Cause you're pretty grounded. Yeah. Are you commenting on the energy or you're just going? I have to. I can't not comment on every single thing that's going on. Yeah. It's like real. It's I've only gotten better at it. I would say in the last two years. What? Like I just have to. If somebody's talking, I go, what are you talking about? If 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 the bartender is making a drink, I'm like, are you making a drink? Like, I can't. Yeah. I I think that's how do you not do that? The other night there was this. uh you know, a bunch of guys say this is at the stand and the, the one guy was being really loud. I don't know what he was doing. And I tried to ignore it for a while. And then I finally go, what's going on over there or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he got thrown out. There was like an exchange. I was pretty funny. And then this woman. So I, by the way, I'm getting applause breaks dealing with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the woman goes in the front row. She goes, keep going. <laughs> I was like, really? Should I keep going? I wouldn't have known what to do if you weren't here. Thank right, God, right, right. you know. And then she goes, no, I'm just saying he doesn't deserve your your energy. Thank you. It's like, bitch, 
How crazy is that to tell the performer what to do? You just saw me succeed in a fucking terrible situation. Now, also she's going because I'm trying to be supportive. She's just being nice. Also, she she said the nicest thing, and we're like, "You fucking!" Oh my god, people whoop! I get them kicked out. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, any sound really (laughs) other than laughter. Yes, that's a problem. Don't groan. Don't cry. Groaning. It, to me, groaning is like you're blowing cocaine off the table. <laughs> that is so, what a waste. Yeah, we are waste. You're making it so no one can get high. I, you fucking piece of shit. That's fucking accurate. I can't yeah. stand the awe. Oh, the awe. The awe. The, the, I take a groan over an awe, in fact. I'll take a groan over an awe because an awe is like, what's, uh, what are you doing here? Go watch your fucking cat videos at home. Stop. No awe. You're also you're fucking interrupting. I have a really hard. I get angry because they derailed the joke. They're not yeah, going to laugh right, at the punchline. Right, right. And then if I go in on the person, then I lose everyone. Right? Because everyone's like, "What? They just awed." It's like, no. It's, so what do you do in that situation? I just make the audience hate me. You do. Yeah. I, I well, sometimes <laughs> when the whole audience hates me, it feels good in the moment. Doesn't like I it? get some kind of like pleasure out of it, and it's only after when I'm like driving home or something I start to feel the shame. Creep up, yes. There is something kind of sick and powerful about that. Of just like I don't give a fuck. Yeah, just burn it down. Yeah, exactly. Scorch Earth policy. Right. right. I kind of love that you all fucking hate me. Yeah, because sometimes like not just one person is yelling at you. Like sometimes it turns into like the whole audience is really mad at you. Have you had like a really aggressive heckler? Yeah, but I would say that I've. I think. I don't mind heckling, actually. I'd way rather have a heckler than somebody that's going, oh. Because I think most of the hecklers, they're not, they even if they go, you suck or whatever, they actually don't mean it. They're trying to have fun. They just are really bad at it. Yes. So they think they're going to spur something or they're contributing, to, especially if you talk to the audience and then they start talking. It's like they want to be in on that. They want to get yeah. some of that too, that attention. So I don't, I don't really get mad at people who heckle. Yeah, I yeah, for most for the most part, if their heckle isn't like really derailing me, right. like destabilizing, I'm like right. you fucking cut. Like I had right. someone get up in my face in Los Angeles and was like, "I can't stand the way you're putting us down." Wow. Isn't that insane? It's like what did you I don't get where what comedy have you watched before where it's all light and heaven and, you know, like for, what it's all about heaven? I, where's this Christian comedy you've been dying to see? Yeah. I don't know. It's so weird. I know. One time I had a woman sitting backwards in her chair in the front row. And I was like, are you okay? Because I, I I thought she might have been like too drunk to be there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she was like really immediately um, defensive and angry and like. I go, uh, she wasn't speaking for a while. I go, okay, I just, I just want to make sure you're okay. You just look like maybe you needed to go to the bathroom or something, you know. And, you know, you're sitting the wrong direction. That was like a pretty big clue. <laughs> and then, um, whatever, she got mad. I can't remember. There was like words exchanged. I thought I was being very light considering the situation. Yeah. Very like. Got a little bit of a laugh. Let it go. Continue Gentle touch. She she complained to the um, to the you know manager that she was gonna like sue me, sue me for what? I don't know. I guess I I don't know. I don't know what she thought I did that was so terrible. Oh my! People are so disconnected. It's like how are why are you even coming to this show? I had a guy at the Improv recently in L.A. I was like I don't know. We're doing some crowd work thing, and I oh I said are you married? He said I don't know, and I was like. Yeah. What are you talking about? You right. Like, and and he was like, you know, I don't know. My kid is at home right now with a 103 degree fever and I'm freaking out. So get up and leave. What are you doing here? I was like, why are you here then? Yeah. Your kid's at home dying? Go home. You I f- can't answer simple questions. My kid is dying <laughs> and I'm at a comedy show. It's like, what? I know. People are so strange. I mean, it's just like, I don't even... I know, but then it's your fault, like, in some way. Yeah, then they're like, what are you doing bullying that guy with a dead kid? I know, I know. know. It's like, well, he's front row at the improv right now, so I don't really know what's going on. Right, right. With his chair turned backwards. We're not supposed to mention it. Right, playing Uno. (laughs) 
So when when you get to the comedy cellar, is it a big deal for you? Like how like or is the not at the time because I started working there immediately when I got to New York, pretty much, and um, I didn't know I didn't know any of the New York scene what was like great or not great. Did you audition for SD? I don't know if I did audition for her. Like I. Um, I don't remember. I just remember I was working. I just remember getting to New York and working at all the clubs. And I, well, the, the story of the comic strip is that, that, that night that I, so one of the very first nights I was in New York, I did a set at the comic strip Mm -hmm. and I just flown in from Canada. I had my, my suitcase with me still. I had a manager that I'd never met. (laughs) Like this is like. (laughs) So perfect. I know. And. So Lucian comes up to me and, you know, introduces himself, whatever, and is the manager of the club. And I I felt like I was being polite. I was like, yeah, thanks. That was a good set, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, do you want to come into my office and we'll chat for a minute? And I go, no, I'm just, I'm burnt out and I just need a beer. And I just got a beer and went and sat. And then- That's incredible. Literally- Months later, I, I just kept working there. I never, I was on the schedule. I never thought about it again. Yeah. People started, you know, I started hearing stories about people like, oh, how was your meeting with Lucian? How, you know, other people were telling, oh, he took me in his office and he told me we have too many white guys and or I got to be different. Or So what he did was after you did a set, he would take you into the office and he would tell you what he thought of your act. And I just declined without realizing it. That's amazing. And then I just got on the schedule. <laughs> I never had the conversation. That's incredible. So when do you do you meet Rich in New York? So then I met Rich at the Comedy Cellar. Oh, you met him at the Cellar? Uh-huh. How does that go down? And he was on Last Comic Standing. Mm-hmm. And that was the first season of the show. And I knew everyone on the show pretty much. I just never met him. So I was there. I was living in L.A. at the time, and I just happened to be there for Jim Gaffigan's wedding. And uh, Ian Bag and I were going back and forth to Comedy Cellar to <laughs> to Jim's wedding. And then we'd go to the Comedy Cellar, and Ian would do a set, and then we'd go back. We're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> we're such assholes. <laughs> Where was his wedding? It was like in the village somewhere. Like it was like oh it was close. We, we it was a couple of blocks. We would just like comedians are deranged. Yes, I know it's insane. Do you ever you ever go and then I'll go back to the rich thing. You yeah. ever go away somewhere and like, I mean for vacation, yeah, see, a, see a comedy club and you're like, let me just stop in there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. no, it's the I that's have, a drug. I have a doctor who used to be a comedian. My accountant is a comedian. It's like I. It's like you just. You just love, I mean, it's like a, an addiction more than a career in a way. Yeah. If I go to a town and I'm not there for stand up and I see a comedy club or I hear about it, I'm like, I should just go there. Right. No, okay. it's the pull is very strong. And it's like, why? Why are you doing like random places? I'll even like, I went on some trip a few years ago and I was like in, I don't know, I was like in Greece or something. And I was there like, there's a club here. And I was like, well, I should spend time there. It's like, what are you doing? You're not yeah. gonna, but like, I just want to be around it. Like I need to be around. It's like feeling like I'm around like other sober people or something. Right, right. No. Well, that was like, the, to me, the greatest thing about finding comedy was that like, you couldn't get in trouble for things that you said, like Isn't around other comedians. It was like, but now I feel like yeah. you can. Now I feel like I pull back a lot. Sometimes I don't say things in the green room. Sometimes I hear people go, is this a safe space to talk about this? It's like, it should be. It's a fucking comedy club green room. You, you're pulling back. Yeah, because I'm I I get like I feel like you know younger comedians have they're policing everyone all the time. That's not fu- all, not everyone, That's not all up. of them, but like yeah, you know, it is amazing when like social media came along that I just realized how stupid people are about comedy. Yeah, and it's amazing that we get laughs at all. It really is when you think about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's. We get laughs when they're not thinking about it. They're going with the flow of what, like, I think, like, that's the benefit of comedy is that you're in a room with all this, like, energy that it's, like, really fun. Like, if you've never, people who've never sat in the middle of a, um, you know, comedy showroom, like, laughing, it's, like, 
such a good time. You don't have to agree with the comedian. You just have to let yourself like it, enjoy that energy of a bunch of people in a room laughing. It's so fun. That's why when people go, uh, or, uh, you're like, why are you ruining it for everyone? Have you ever seen someone tap someone like to not laugh at something? Oh, yeah. And Women will tap their husbands. Yeah. You're like, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't mean they're going to go now suddenly like start, you know, marching for whatever thing that you think that they shouldn't have laughed at. It's like, it's just. Right. It's just to release some endorphins, man. I think that's a great point that you don't have to agree with it. You don't. You absolutely don't have to agree. I I, I don't have stuff. I don't agree with all the time. I don't agree with most of it. Yeah, right. it's like when they become like an examination of themselves. That's why some of these like woker newer rooms are harder to get the laugh of because they're like they're like watching from the corner of the room. Like, is this okay to laugh at? Yeah. Then I'll decide. Right. Right. It's like there's none of that. Just be present. Right. Because because there's people in in there's only a few comedy diehards that actually get the jokes. Right. And they laugh. And in that split second, it alerts everyone else that a joke has been told. And then they go back and think about it and get the get the joke and they laugh. And it sounds like it's all happening at once, but it's really not. If those people who didn't get the joke aren't in there, everyone else just sitting there. Whoa. Do letting think, jokes go by. Uh, that's you think I've never thought about that. That sounds right. I think I'm pretty sure that's right. There's a few people just pulling the ripcord and then everyone's like, we should laugh at that. Yeah. And it's happening in such a fast like it's not there's no delay. Right. You know what I mean? It does start to feel like musical. Yes. Because a few people will pick up on when the laughs start hitting. And then everyone's like, I get this song. Right. I can sing along. Right. Now I got the beat. And that's why when you're doing like sometimes I'll fuck up a joke completely, but I'll do it in the right rhythm and it's fine. It just keeps getting the laugh. That is so true. Yeah. I, I found that because stand-up requires that presence that we were talking about, the times that I've like had been in the worst mental places in my life, stand-up is the one one thing that will alleviate it because I can't be like sitting in my own shit. Right, right. And it's just like, well, this feels like, this can like medicate me in this moment because right. I can't think about my own fucking junk. Right, right, right. You've let it go. Yeah, which feels so good. Um, and sometimes you don't think about it again. When you get off stage, you forget. You're riding the fucking high. Yes, right. Do you, Does it take you a minute to come down when you after you do shows or you're... Oh, my God. One of my favorite things in the world is driving home <laughs> after good sets. And what are you doing? I'm just reliving it and <laughs> soaking it all in. Just yes. You're for you're lucky like you and Rich you get to come home to someone who gets that. Oh my god. We call each other on the phone after gigs. We're both at different places, you know. And I don't even know for sure we're exactly listening to each other, but we'll just be like, I fucking killed. Then he'll be like, I killed. And then we'll tell each other like the funny things we said. And yeah. Do you we're do just you- bragging? Heavily to one another. Like, you couldn't do that to anyone else, you know? No, I was just talking about how, like, if I would come home to my ex and who has nothing to do with the industry, I would just, like, barrel through the door at, like, 1 a.m. being like, ah, da, da. she's like, I need you to take it down. Yes, right. But it's like, I, but then at the same time, it's like, you really want to be with a comic? Well, I, I, I just don't get why anyone would date anyone outside of their own business. Like, if you're a dentist, don't you want to talk about dentistry all the time? Like, go do it. Like, who wants to listen to your shit if they're not in it? I don't think people do. Yeah, so it's like... But dentists, usually, it's not a labor of love. Okay, so that was a bad example, but... Like, I guess if you're, if it's your passion. If it's your passion, yes, you want to talk to somebody who's going to want to talk about your passion all the time. That's why these guys date or and marry women that don't really have a thing of their own. Mm-hmm. They're just completely all about their shit. Right. So they get to talk about it all the time. They get to, you know, they have somebody, you know, propping them up, going to their shows, taking notes. Right. I can just fill this cup up with whatever I want. Yeah. Um, Do you, the other thing about like dating someone, like, do you and Rich think each other, like, think you guys are like each the funniest person in the world? Yeah. That is so fun. Rich is definitely the funniest person on the planet. You really? When he wants to be. Does that? Sometimes I'm like, whoa. I go, you're bringing nothing to the table except comedy. So let's have some of that, you know, because sometimes he forgets to be fun. That's so Just like walking. It's like I'm doing laundry, cooking, cleaning. It's like, at least be funny, babe. Please. (laughs) At least that's 
That's why you're here. So let's get some of that. No, he says he'll call me and say f- the funniest things in the world that I'll just laugh my ass off at that you couldn't tell anyone else. Yeah. That's like the most romantic thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It's so nice. It is great. And also the thing about comedy is that like it gets to be a vehicle for your partner to always surprise you. Right. Like he doesn't have to be becoming new or doing new things. But like if the things that are funniest are always like they like it's not something I thought of. So it feels like a surprise. Right. I'm like, oh, I love hearing something new from you. Yes. As opposed to coming home to a banker who's just like the same. I know. That's why you got to bankers marry other bankers. Let's I know. keep those people away from us. Keep them away. And you know, we tell each other jokes, ideas all the time, like mm-hmm. half-baked premises. And then he'll be like, I know I got a good one if he's like, I'm taking that. I'm using it. You won't do it right. I've got to do it. And you say, okay. That's so nice. Yeah. Do you Do you feel you guys work out actual issues on your show? No, I think uh, uh, people, <laughs> <laughs> that was a fast. No. no, no, no. People always ask that. Like, is it therapy? I think it makes it worse. Really? Why? Yeah, because we because to like to the shtick being you hate the him. shtick is that we come if we're just getting along. I, first of all, he's not a deep person, so you can't just talk about something. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's not gonna. He wouldn't even talk about stand-up the way you and I have talked about it. He'd be like, get up there and be funny. Like, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very base on a lot of levels. That like, doesn't matter to you. Sometimes I think, like, it's annoying. Yeah. But, no, he's, it's, it's, um no, he's funny enough. His his comedy, honestly, it. it Takes the cake. It, yeah. I mean, he's really a, a very, very difficult human in many, many ways. But, you know. It makes up for it for being funny. He really does. It's wow. like worth it. Totally worth it to me. He's like, but he's, because he's a hypochondriac. He's got like a lot of things going on that yeah. are like annoying. Yeah. Um, but um, so then we, we, you know, we'll, I'll bring up some issue and it's always about him because he just doesn't have it. He doesn't, I don't know if he doesn't see me. <laughs> It's but he's so funny. He doesn't ask <laughs> questions about me. Yeah, no, he likes getting sad. But it's like <laughs> so. It's always about him, and then it's always about some issue that he had, and then he always gets defensive, and that's what makes it funny. But then I think like I'm just picking at a scab, that, right? In order for our, but I've asked him like, do you want to do something different, or do you want to want to do? He's like, no, that was great. That was really funny. Like he loves doing it. That's an interesting combination to be defensive and a little reactive, but not carry it, right? So I think that's what you've pointed out on the show that like you'll point out something and he's like, oh, what? Right. Or is he saying you do that? No, not you. No. I think that it's you, never about me. Yeah. You will pick on something about him and he's like, are you serious? Come on. Right. Right. He gets defensive and then he'll defend himself. And then sometimes like he'll never give in. Yeah. Ever on the podcast. But sometimes after the podcast, he'll be like, I'll try to be better or whatever. But then it's. Exactly the same. Then it's now. It's so fun to watch. But you success. Like, we've been married 18 years. Wow. So at some point, you just, like, you just accept everything about the other person. You just, I heard someone say one time, you just choose to love them anyway. So then you just choose to love them anyway. And then you just concentrate on the things that you like about them. Because otherwise, everyone would get divorced. I mean, it's like... It's insane to live with another person for long periods of time. It's nuts. Especially when there's kids involved. It's like he has different ideas about parenting. You don't go over every single detail before you get married. It's impossible. Right. You have no idea. So you just keep saying yes. Yeah, you just like, just when he makes you laugh, you go, yay. Right. <laughs> Thank you. I, that That really freaks me out about marriage. I just like statistically, apparently married women are the least happy group. Right. Well, because I just don't understand. This is what I think all women should do. And I, I, I we're just too romantic, I guess, to mm-hmm. not do it this way. But mm-hmm. what would make sense for women? And the only way we would get out from under is if you met a man that's a pretty good. Now, you're looking for not a partner for you, but you're looking for someone who's not going to make your life miserable when you get divorced. OK, so that's what you're looking for. Yeah. You have. Someone that's going to be fair and all that, right? You get pregnant, 
have one or two kids. When those kids are, you know, sort of old enough to go to school or, you know, around three, four or five, you get divorced. Now you can go back, have your career because they keep the kid for half the time. Yeah. I and you that's... keep the kid for half the time. Now you're only cleaning up after you and the kids when they're there and you're doing all you have so much time to do all the shit that you want to do. Right. It just is a great deal for women. It's, you know, it's fair because when you're in a marriage <laughs> and every single woman I know, even though it's 2023. Every single woman I know in a heterosexual marriage, mm-hmm. probably a lot of the gay ones too, they, one person does everything. Always. And the other person gets to do their career and their things and their golfing and yeah. just is the way it is. And then I used to get really mad about it, but then I just told myself like, I'm capable and he's not. <laughs> like I just am. I'm able to do a lot of things. Yeah. I'm good at it, so I, I just I, I try not to because it used to like make me miserable. Like, why am I doing like all the childcare? Right. And I'm supposed to still, and then I'm supposed to be appreciative that like he's gone out and made the money, like, and he's letting me have some of his money. Do you know what I mean? You're like, it's your kid. It's both of you. It's like, yeah, they but they don't put it in their heads like that. They don't put it in their heads. They're taking care of their family. So we should be so ever so grateful for this person who's leaving the house. But I've done both. I've been a at home, stay at home, and I've also been like a person. I went to um, Austin for four months and worked on a show. And um, Rich was with the kid. Yeah, my family was not happy with me, but people kept going like, don't you miss your family? I was like, no. I mean, I said yes, but the true answer was like, no. this is how guys do it. It's like, it was like, ama- I... I did miss my family and I miss my dog, but, um, <laughs> no, I brought my dog with me, but, um, no, but like, that's what guys do. They don't have to think about like, if I was doing that job and still at home, I would have to be like, oh, I got to make sure people have food. I have to make sure that laundry's done. The house is clean. You know, right. I'd have to make sure of all these things while still doing the exact same job. But men get to like, for the most part, I would say, go and do their job for as long as it takes them to do their job. Climb the ladder. Do it. Everything will be taken care if of at somebody, home. Somebody, yeah, at home. You'll have consistent them. food and sex. Yes, and someone, and and the person you trust more than anyone else in the world is taking care of your kid. Like, how great is that? Yeah, I mean, I know it's the perfect setup. Yes, being a man. Yes, it's amazing. I actually love the idea that if you want to have a kid, you get married. What you said, and you have the baby. You have someone to help you out the first few years, and then split. And then split. Do part time custody. Right. That's amazing. Having a kid every other week. Why isn't every woman doing that? Having a kid every other week? Yes. That sounds, then I would have a kid. Yes. How great is that? It sounds amazing. You get to have a family and then also your own own time. Yes. Would that be really destructive towards your child's mental health? Not if it's normal. We only have meaning with what we put on everything. Okay, so maybe that. So, would you go into it and agree to that with the part your partner being like, "Let's just do this for the first few years. If it works, we'll stay together. But <laughs> if not, let's just split up when the kids." But that's die. the problem with it is that like they want that whole thing. They want to keep going. Like even at me talking about it, no, I I'm go, starting to get anxious attached. I go, oh, but what about what about when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> I know who's going to tell you you're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It just I just like the idea of having a kid part time. Right. <laughs> right. That sounds so good. Well, it's you know, it's so weird that everyone was like having a baby is like people love to tell you how hard it's gonna be. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's like for the first while it's like carrying around a potato. I mean, it's like <laughs> pretty easy. That car seat is the hardest thing of everything that you're gonna do. Yeah. But otherwise it's like you put on yourself, you're like, I have to put my kid to bed at 6 p.m. And then my kid gets up at 6 a.m. And I'm not ready for it. It's like, well, then don't put your bed. To- but you have all these other parents. <laughs> Just do it whenever That you are want. constantly, te- like I had parents constantly telling me that I was doing it wrong. Like, you, your, your kid's still up? It's like, she doesn't have a job. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And she's fine. now. She gets up and go- get- they're like, she's not going to ever be able to get up. In time for school. It's like, well, she did. Yeah. She's perfectly fine. Right. 
It's this like alarmist thing. Yeah. It's like people are just putting these like extra pressures on themselves. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, that sound. if you could just surrender and accept this, that sounds like the best way to live life. Right. Just and then you like, like being with your kid. You like hanging out with your kid because they're not a problem. Yeah. They're and like, you're not resenting these like constructed. Right. Right. That you have to have lunch deadlines. every day at 1130 a.m. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. I put down a bowl of food on the floor. What time? And I say, feed yourself. Yes. <laughs> I went to, my friend came over and um, my daughter and her daughter was the same age. And uh, so she, I go, um, I go, oh, I'm just making some noodles or, you know, pasta or whatever. Uh, does Janie want some? And then, and then she goes, my friend goes, um, Janie ate at lunchtime because it's like 3 p.m. or something. Okay. I was like, oh. So then I go, where do you guys want to eat? And she goes, we only eat at the table. I was like, oh, okay. Like, there's no rules in my house. Like, it's like you're allowed to do whatever you want. And so I go, okay. So Raina and Janie are eating at the table. We're staying in the living room. And then I can hear them talking to the plant. There's like a little plant on the table. And they're like being silly, like the plant's going to eat their noodles. And all of a sudden, we're, her and I are just talking. I'm not even paying attention. She goes, Janie, stop it. <laughs> I go, what? they're just having fun. She goes, not while they're eating, they shouldn't be. And it's like, what rules are you doing? Like, what are you doing? It's don't have, so weird. Don't have fun while you eat? I guess. Yeah. It's like what somebody told her some rules at some point in her life and she just passed them on. Like, that's the way it's got to be. She she put her kid to bed every night at um, 8 p.m. Uh, one time on New Year's Eve, I go, what are you guys doing for New Year's Eve? She goes, well, Janie goes to bed at 8 p.m. I was like, on New Year's Eve? <laughs> what is that doing for your kid? Like, you're just going to raise, like, I feel like overprotective parents just raise good liars. Yes, it's, it's. You're not going to create a perfect person. You're going to create someone who avoids you. Yeah. And can't wait to get the fuck out of there. Right. But every parent, not every parent, lots of parents, they, they see you doing something different. They say to themselves, one of us is doing it wrong and I don't want it to be me. So I'm going to have to get you to do what I do. Right. You know. Yeah. And like you have to like, get enrolled in my system. Right. It's like this pressure. So so parents do. And then, and then parents feel like this weird pressure. I never felt it. I just never because I didn't care at all what they were thinking. Yeah. Because I, I always felt like pretty secure in my parenting. You're so chill. I mean, I was taking my kid around to like comedy clubs. <laughs> That's so fun. Like, um, <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, listen, if you're going to do it, that's the only way to do it. Of just being like, this is my life. My kid's going to fit into my life. I'm not yes. going to cannibalize my whole world. Because so no that, matter what you're doing, yeah. there's going to be good and bad parts to it. Yeah. So sometimes I, would, I still tell Raina that. Like sometimes she wants to do stuff on the weekend or whatever. I'm always working. And I'm like, sometimes there's... I got to spend a lot of time with you. That was like one of the great things about my job was I could sort of pick and choose. And then I, I don't I don't go to concerts on Saturday nights. That's the bad part. Sorry. Yeah. Who cares? You're at a comedy club. It's so fun. Right. You hang out with all your friends yeah. and get high. Yeah. Bonnie McFarlane, everybody. I, I should give a class on parenting. My kid turns out to be like. <laughs> Do she's whatever on you want. heroin. You could put him in a crate. Treat him like a potato. She did. She did great. She was fun. And does she break a lot of rules now? No, she's 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 perfect. Sounds like she's great. She's really You've nailed she, it. She's really cool. She's she could be mean, but she's sixteen. She's got a lot of hormonal stuff going on. But yeah, um, yeah, well, that's a tough age. And she's got very champagne tastes, which actually helped Rich and I improve our own lot in life. Oh, really? Yeah. She has a taste for the finer things in life. Yes, but like. She went on Amazon and bought us all new, like, um, you know, whatever Tupperware sets or whatever they're called. Yeah. And I was like, I, I've i been you. just using, like, washing out plastic bags and stuff. Oh, my God. She raised it. I was like, this is nice. How would you ever date someone who was perfect but didn't, but didn't like, laugh at all your jokes? I, I couldn't. I couldn't date someone who wasn't sophisticated. Comedically, they don't. Have, they wouldn't have to be a comedian, but I, I couldn't. Yeah, I, was, I need them to be f funny enough to get me. Right. I was dating this girl who I thought was so hot, probably the hottest girl I've ever seen in my life, and I was really excited about it. And I brought her to the comedy club, and she didn't laugh at anything. Oh my god! 
And Why? She just never laughed. Like I just, I tried really hard to. Oh my god, that is that is hilarious. <laughs> that is such a like. It was brutal. She was like a supermodel, and just oh she found. Oh my god, how disappointing! She found nothing funny, and it. Just, how could she not? You've, she's been given this like beautiful life. They, ne- I feel like pretty people really struggle with finding things funny. Do you feel that way? I wonder if it's because you need you need struggle in order to like. Find comedy? Is that why? They I just think don't have struggle? They're just like... I think they've never had to lie their way into a bar or anything. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like being... Doors are just opening. Right. Like, I'm like, I'm like you don't live with enough pain every day. Yes, right, right, You're just... Right. You have perfect hair and, you know, everyone smiles at you and you're like, where's all of this anger coming from? Right, right. And it's like, well, you're missing the whole point of life, which is to bitch and complain and moan and point it out. Right. Well, I guess that's because that's how you self-soothe, right? It's yeah. like when shit's going down, you start being funny and it starts like, yeah. you start to see the like ridiculousness of things. I would not be friends with someone that like, all my friends make me laugh so hard. Yes, right. It's like, that's the whole fucking point I can't even talk to someone for five minutes if they're like a serious person. I know. It's amazing when you meet a real serious person. And like, what is your, what are you doing on earth? Like, what is, what are you, what's getting you through? Right, right. Just taking everything honestly? Right, like if you have to go to the bank or something and suddenly you're like, okay, I got to be real, normal. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) It's like act like a civilian. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's like I'm doing a character. (laughs) Right. And like, yeah, people must, are people always like, wow, you're funny. Are you like a, are they always saying that to you? Like Uh, normal civilians are like, No, I try to be pretty normal. Uh, I mean... When Rich and I are together, it's we can't it, turn it off. So then it becomes sometimes it's a show. Like if we're at the bank, people start coming in to the room. And it's like, oh my god! Suddenly we're like, oh god, that is so fun. Here we go. I love that. But they do know a lot of people do know who Rich is. Like, oh, he does get recognized. He's New Jersey, you know. He gets recognized more than you. Oh, I never get recognized ever. Mm-hmm. Never, never, never. I've really? been neighbors with a lot of. Women who introduced me as Rich Voss's wife, like they didn't even know I was a comedian for many, many years. I knew who you were before your husband. Um, When I got passed at the cellar, I was telling this to Bonnie, Rich like purposefully made a big deal pretending he knew who I was. (laughs) 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 Like before I got on stage and when I got off, he was like, oh man, I can't wait to see you. I've heard so much of just, just really dragging me. And it was so fucking funny. Oh, that's hilarious. He's so funny. And I love watching him. Um. I've seen you do this too at Judge the Roasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get so tired of those. Have you done them? Done the roasts? Done the roast? Yeah. Like, uh, I did one roast battle only ever. Did it hurt your ego? It was like Mike Lawrence. So, yeah. I was like... <laughs> but it's hard. I think, like... <laughs> no, just, Lawrence. I mean, like, you're not going to win against Mike Lawrence. Right, right. But um, it's not specific enough to me. Yeah. I don't have enough to roast or something. Do you know what I mean? About you. Like, usually they just end up roasting rich. I was doing a few of them, and I won, and I was like, I love this. And then I lost one, and I was like, I'm never doing this yeah, again. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it really is, like, stung. such a high. You hear some yeah. stuff, you're like, people think that about me? Well, that's, a, it's like, if you hear a bunch of roast jokes about yourself, it's like, fine. But if you hear two on the same one, like, I remember, like, we were roasting this woman, and I... I, I didn't call her ugly, but I said, like, you have the kind of face where you got to find your light and then take a giant step backwards or something <laughs> along those lines, you know. Not ugly. Uh, not ugly, but you shouldn't be. You shouldn't let people rest their eyes on you for too long. And then um, another guy on the roast just randomly called her, like, a dog face or something. And then I felt terrible. Right. Because then it's like, she's going to be like, am I ugly? Like, two people said it. Well, she is ugly, it sounds. No, she's 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 really not. Oh, well, that sucks then. Yeah, so that, I tried to tell her. Then her. I tried to tell her after the roast, which is, don't try to do that. That's... Right. Then, oh, God. Yes. It, that, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know when we kept calling you ugly? You, well, a lot of people said you were ugly tonight, and I just want to say I love your face. We love you. That's not... That you can maybe, like, write off because it's not so specific. I kept getting... That I have such a big forehead. Yeah. <laughs> which I like wasn't aware of that until I started doing the roast. And now I was like, oh, I have a huge forehead. <laughs> but like it would come up just in like the perfect intervals where like I would forget it. Right. right. And then, then someone like, would say it again. I was like, fuck, we're all in on this. It's so painful. I was at the cellar and you know how like 
I don't know if you've ever been involved in this, but sometimes there's the right group of people and they'll just start trashing one person at the table. Yeah. And everyone will get in on it and everyone's laughing so hard. And it's literally, when it's not you, one of the funnest experiences in the world. But one night it was me. Yeah. And um, uh, so at first it was funny. It's like you're getting attention. And then at some point you're like... I can't fake laugh anymore. Like this has got to end at some point. You're just like, <laughs> like at some point you're like, okay, I get it enough, you know. Right. And then Colin Quinn said, um, the other night I bombed so hard I thought I was married to Rich Foss, and everyone was laughing and laughing. But I still think that because I'm like, is that what I'm known for? Is that am I the bomber? Like I don't know this no, about myself. Obviously like, no. <laughs> but it's hard not to. Right. You start questioning it. You're like, oh, my God, people laughed so hard at that. <laughs> well, it's funny, but it's not true. But it's hilarious. But it, also, I feel like the, the culture there has changed a bit where it's actually less like that now. Yeah, because there's not really that one table anymore. Everybody's sort of spread out. Yeah. And I I don't know why that is. But when I when I first would like step in there, it was that table in the back and they were like old timers that would like kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. And now everyone's on their own. Right. Kind of doing their own thing and terrified. And there's also like this kind of um, like sort of idea that that's not really comics shouldn't really do that anymore. That's like not cool. But my thing is, is that we don't go to school for this. We the, the only thing we have is the comedians that came before us to like sort of teach us how it is. Yeah. So. Lots of times those were sort of like you got schooled a little bit. Do you know what I mean? It made you better because you're like, if somebody say, say like if, if people are making fun of you because of the way you host, they'll change the way you host. You'll become a better host, you know, or whatever it is. Right. And or they're pointing out something that you're not in on. Right. And you getting to be in on it is right. an opportunity for you to be funnier. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And exactly. You're learning by other people modeling it for you. Right. <laughs> yes. Of just like being a fucking asshole. <laughs> right. But people are very sensitive now. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Bye.